Welcome to episode 18 of Upshift, the No Direction Network's Essence 20 podcast, where every two weeks we give you an edge on Essence 20. Before we begin. No, wait, no. Ah, I went straight to the pre- the... <laughs> You want to start over? Well, this is all staying in. No, no. Okay. We're not <laughs> That's not how we do things, Jason. All right, all right. Warts and all. I'm Ryan Costello, one of the designers of the Essence 20 system and an author on the G.I. Joe Transformers and My Little Pony role-playing game core rulebooks, as well as others. And I'm Jason Keeley, former Renegade Games Studios developer for RPGs such as My Little Pony. No, I didn't do My Little Pony. I don't know why I said that. Uh, <laughs> the ones we usually talk about. Before we begin, although we have both worked for Renegade on Essence 20 in some capacity, Upshift is not associated with or produced by Renegade Game Studios, and this is not an official Essence 20 podcast. I feel like I've missed that for the last couple of episodes, so I was too eager to make sure I got yeah, it in this time. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Well, I, I think everyone who listens by now knows the spiel. But every episode could be somebody's first episode. It's true, it's true. It's good to have it in there. Now, normally we start our episodes with some banter. Today we're going to be looking at a pretty extensive product, and so we want to make sure we have enough time for it. So there will be no banter. There will, however, be a reminder just because we're looking at one part source book, one part adventure, and we're going to end with the adventure, I think at some point we're going to say, like, hey, spoilers from here on for the adventure. So if you don't want uh, the spoilers, leave, which means that I'm going to move what's normally the uh, Essence 20 news and shoutout section. I'll put that right at the front just to remind people that today, the day that this episode releases, June 9th at 3 p.m. Pacific on the Renegade Game Studios YouTube channel, there is the latest Renegade Con Just Wait panel where they will reveal over 20 new products. And this will be separate from a 4.30 panel, which will be focused on the World of Darkness reveals. Okay, great. Can't wait. I wonder what they're going to say. <laughs> so one, I like that it's really, it's just one panel, so I don't have to dedicate my whole weekend to it. Uh, but mm. two, I also have no idea what they're going to announce. There's a couple of yeah, books yeah. I've turned over that haven't been announced. So at this point, maybe they're the ones that are going to be brought up. Yeah, that's what I'm Who knows? thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's stuff I haven't turned over yet that they're going to be announcing. <laughs> you never know with these. You never know with these guys. Today's topic is the design and development of the G.I. Joe role-playing game Sergeant Slaughter Limited Edition Accessory Pack. Now, I was the author on the the uh, the, the material, the written material that's in there. So the mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter source book and the adventure. Uh, but the, book, the box also contains... Uh, a miniature, some standees, mm -hmm. plastic stands, etc. Uh, so, Jason, I'm not sure. As the developer of this product, were you involved in the non-role-playing game, like the non-word stuff, or were I, you on the words? I was mostly on the words. Uh, I think you know, I, I I helped look at some of the. They have like map tiles in there, so yeah. I helped sort of organ help with that. But like, I also wasn't. I was brought in a little bit, you know. Uh, I don't really mean to say more than halfway through. Uh, on this, oh. honestly, so I just yeah, it was just sort of like here's the thing. All right, let me let me. Do you, you have time to build this text? And I'm like, sure, yeah, yeah. I guess give me give me all this, and we'll, we'll go through it. So you know, I, I it was a I guess it was a small surprise to me that what this was. Yeah, uh, oh, uh, we're going to talk about point. surprises. Yeah. yeah, oh boy, yeah. Actually, you know what? Let, I'll I'll tell a story about how I found out about this product because before mm. I was brought on as the author, the the hard line was we can include Sergeant Slaughter in the book. In fact. The idea of including Sergeant Slaughter goes back to when we were first, first doing, not even Essence 20, when these were conceived to be fifth edition books. And mm -hmm. one of the ideas was every book should start with an in-character introduction 
using a character with a really strong voice. And Power Rangers got Zordon. And so the question was, who would we do for G.I. Joe? I suggested Cobra Commander, but Alisa, who was the producer of RPGs at the time, was like, oh, no, we want to do a Cobra book down the line. So we'll save a Cobra Commander introduction for later. Although I don't think we ended up doing an in-character Cobra Commander introduction for that book. No, there's actually there's a small there's something there's a oh, little yeah. bit of there's, there's the propaganda like a, there's a little bit of it there's some propaganda yeah. stuff yeah 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 but I wouldn't call it an introduction to the book it's just sort of an opening piece to to set the tone. So then uh, Brian suggested we do Sergeant Slaughter, and that's where I kind of uh, first got my reputation as the guy who knows GI Joe in and out, upside down, and and whatnot. And I said like well, Sergeant Slaughter is a character that we can't use because Hasbro can only use it when they have a license with him, and not only does Hasbro not currently have a license with him. But a competitor to Hasbro, Valiverse, is releasing a six-inch uh, military fantasy line that's similar to G.I. Joe. Va- uh, Valiverse uh-huh. was founded by Bobby Valla, who was a former designer for Hasbro, and he really wanted mm. a six-inch G.I. Joe line, which is what we talked about last episode, classified as six-inch right, G.I. Yeah. Joe. And when they didn't do that while he was there, he decided to form his own company, make his own mm. military fantasy stuff, and then he realized, wait a second... <laughs> I could get Sergeant Slaughter and pretty release an actual G.I. Joe character in this non-G.I. Joe line. So yeah, at the time when we were writing this, and I believe even still now, and we'll get to that in a second, Valiverse had the rights to create Sergeant Slaughter action figures. And so Sergeant Slaughter was absolutely off the table. And this was alluded to in the core rulebook when uh, there's a line, or there's a whole um, sidebar that says like, where, oh, why isn't my favorite Joe mentioned here? And I say, like, well, there's hundreds of G.I. Joes, and we narrowed it down to 80, which is a lot of characters to narrow it down to. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned that uh, most of them, we just didn't have the room to fit. A couple of them are based on real people, and we couldn't use them, even though we really wanted to. But we didn't want lawyers to send us home in a ditty bag, an itty-bitty ditty bag, which is a line okay. Sergeant Slaughter says to Lieutenant Falcon in the animated movie. To kind of like play the hand that it's like, look, we're talking about Sergeant Slaughter, even though we can't talk about Sergeant Slaughter. And that is the only cheeky or any kind of reference to Sergeant Slaughter in the core rulebook. And so whenever it came up on social media and someone said, like, where's Sergeant Slaughter? I would do, you know, the same lines. Like, we can't use Sergeant Mm -hmm. Slaughter for boring legal reasons. And then one time this came up on the Renegade Discord. And after answering that comment, I went back into the Discord and I saw that my comment had been deleted. And I was like, that's funny. I thought I replied to this comment. And then I saw a message in like the back channels chat where uh, Scott, the publisher is like, Hey, let's just stop telling people that we can't use Sergeant Slaughter for a bit. It's like, that's really intriguing. Cause Hasbro had not announced that they got the Sergeant Slaughter rights back at that time. So uh, over the next couple of months, there was like uh, the ball got rolling. It was, I was brought in for a private meeting saying like, we've got this product that we need to keep real hush hush. It's all about Sergeant Slaughter. We have the rights to do this. And then Hasbro publicly announced that they've got the rights to uh, use Sergeant Slaughter again. They even, I think, name-dropped um, Valiverse, saying, like, we we came up with a deal with this other company that had the rights. Okay. So now we co-have the rights to release the Sergeant Slaughter. I think part of the deal might have been to give a little shine to their company, to, sure, to Valiverse. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then, finally, at uh, RenegadeCon Virtual 2023, the G.I. Joe Tabletop Games Reveals Panel... Uh, February of this year, which does not feel like that long ago, but it was finally oh. announced that we have the Sergeant Slaughter gaming rights and that there will be an yeah. entire box set dedicated to Sergeant Slaughter. Now, it's interesting to me that when we talk about this, we also talk about how this is a limited edition product. And so is it because we... You're saying that I thought maybe Renegade somehow got the rights to Sergeant Slaughter, but Hasbro is lending the rights to Renegade. Are they only doing that for a limited amount of time, or is Hasbro 
only have the rights to Sergeant Slaughter for a limited amount of time. So it's a little above my pay grade. But okay, as I understand it, Hasbro only has the rights for a limited amount of time. And therefore, as okay, a good. licensee, yeah. like Hasbro's not lending licensee, the rights yeah. to Renegade. They, it's... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Selling, of course. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it's not out of the goodness of anyone's heart, of course. Um, yeah, so I, I believe the limited time is because everyone involved, there is a time limit to this. So, yeah, I mean, right. it, it's okay. also possible that there was only a certain number Renegade was allowed to release, like, I, again, I don't know the inner workings of the deal. They're, all I know is that it is a limited edition box and that mm -hmm. if people want to get in on it, they really, they should get on it now. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, it's, it's a fun box. Were you at all uh, involved in the naming of the box? No. Me neither. No, no, no. I, I, it was just kind of like the Sergeant Slaughter product while I was working on it. And yeah, yeah. I did see some confusion when it was when it was released, or when it was announced, sorry, as an accessory pack. Because that doesn't really highlight the fact that there is a whole bunch of uh, new options and a whole adventure mm -hmm. in this box. True. It may have that, I mean, just as guessing, of course, maybe it started off as just like, we just want to do a, a, a mini and some some somethings else. I don't know what else you would do, some some standees or whatever, and then some, maybe, they, maybe they thought about some sort of, sort of dice at one point. I don't know. Oh, but that like, would have been cool. Um, but, um, uh, it turned, I got, you know, it, it makes more sense as a product to, to have more stuff more more game game related stuff that you can plug into your essence 20 game honestly so could be that the name never got changed i don't know it's a guess yeah so uh, one of those things where you it's one of those things where you like come up with a name and then maybe like solicit the name to distributors and then you're kind of stuck with it mm. uh, and then but the product might change I, you know the, 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 there's a lot of moving pieces that i don't fully understand yeah <laughs> See, we're, we're, we're talking outside of our areas of expertise, so let's Exade. shift back to uh, our own experiences. Um, so when I was brought on board, I was given like uh, a list of this is stuff we could include in the box, but this is definitely the word count we want to hit. And then it was kind of consulted. I don't remember exactly what was my ideas versus what was pitched to me. Um, hmm. it, it was just all kind of came together. And then the, the main thing I remember emphasizing, uh, being emphasized was uh, the time, the deadline that like, this had to be done by a certain amount of time because, right. again, limited edition, like the time that they're allowed to do it starts now. And so yeah. the sooner that they can get it up, which is why other products got bumped on the release schedule <laughs> and Sergeant Slaughter came out uh, as one of the earliest G.I. Joe supplements for the role-playing game. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. Now, before we get to the box itself, I find the story of how Sergeant Slaughter even got involved with G.I. Joe in real life Super interesting, yeah. and it's not something we can even touch on in the box set. Like, as interesting as I yeah. find it, I didn't even suggest that we include this this origin story because it's just not relevant to the role playing game. But um, right, no, because you know, in the box set, Sergeant Slaughter is the character Sergeant Slaughter, like that's part of GI Joe. Like that Sergeant Slaughter was never a wrestler, right? right? So yeah, it's, it's all a whole bunch of <laughs> the way I justify lines. it. Yeah, exactly. There's a timeline. At one point, it was split where this drill instructor uh, from the Marines had to decide whether he wanted to continue his career in the military and join G.I. Joe or become a professional wrestler. And of course, this timeline also splits <laughs> in like, is professional wrestling a real combat sport or is it the theater that right. we all know it to be? I, I should just set up like a, a graph of how Sergeant Slaughter makes sense. <laughs> I, I've I've said before that like explaining Sergeant Slaughter and G.I. Joe to someone who did not, who, who wasn't there 
is really strange because it's not like the Jackie yeah, yeah. Chan adventures, a cartoon about Jackie Chan. He's the main character. He's in every episode. Right. Sergeant Slaughter is a real person who is in maybe a third of the episodes of one season. <clears throat> right. And in the movie. And in the movie. Yeah. I'm a pretty big yeah. part of the movie, but uh, so yeah. when the movie was released as a five part special that aired on TV, he only shows up in part three. Mm, he, he's right. there for the rest of the movie, but he's not, like he's, he's not, not Duke, he's not General Hawk. He's just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in real life, G.I. Joe had been around for a couple of years and then uh, some people at Hasbro that were working on it got the idea that maybe we'll get some real life people as like celebrity members of G.I. Joe. And the first person they thought of was Sergeant Slaughter. Now this is early 80s. This is before WrestleMania 1. So this is just at the time when Hulk Hogan is becoming a, a pop culture figure. And as a result, mm -hmm. professional wrestling is becoming this uh, more popular form of, uh, of media. And Sergeant Slaughter was one of the upper uh, card guys. Uh, so someone that you could expect to be in the main event, but he wasn't Hulk Hogan. He wasn't the big guy, but he was the biggest military themed guy. And so Hasbro reached yeah. out to him. Uh, they met with him. Things got a little iffy because something that's always followed, uh, Bob Remus is the man who plays Sergeant Slaughter. Bob Remus has no military experience. There is a law called Stolen Valor, where if you are impersonating someone with military experience, you can get in a lot of trouble for it. Sure, yeah. But Bob Remus has never claimed to have military experience. He is playing a character named Sergeant Slaughter, and it is that character's backstory that yeah. he has military experience. But he was from the days where you lived the gimmick as a wrestler. And so he never makes public appearances as Bob Remus. Even when he's doing like behind the scenes stuff with WWE, he's still credited right. as Sergeant Slaughter. So it's really like, it's murky. And at the time, uh, like Larry Hammer, who was writing the G.I. Joe comic, he had military experience. All of the guys at Hasbro had military experience because it was, they were in their 40s and the 80s, which meant that they were like, you know, drafted into some wars. And so there was some tension there. But uh, eventually it was agreed that, no, no, we can, we can live with this. We'll bring Sergeant Slaughter in. And so Sergeant Slaughter contacted his boss at the WWF uh, at the time. Uh, I might just call it WWE, even though historically it was WWF at the time. Uh, right. He tell, tells Vince McMahon, he's got like, good news, Vince. I've got this new deal with Hasbro. It's going to give all kinds of exposure to the WWF. It's going to be great. And uh, Vince says, well, I'm sorry, Sarge. I just signed a deal with LJN to for all of the likeness rights of my wrestlers to do wrestling based action figures you're gonna have to call hasbro back oh. and say i'm sorry i'm out of the deal and so Ooh, wow. slaughter the way he puts it is that he uh, had a real like uh a soul search and he decided that he's got a lot of more years in him as a professional wrestler but this is the only chance to be a gi joe and so he called <laughs> yeah. hasbro and took their deal and quit the wwe which the fact that hasbro was still like this celebrity wrestler is no longer a wrestler because he's our celebrity wrestler. Like the fact that that didn't end the deal right there always intrigued me. Well, I guess enough. You could just ride that wave enough of being Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Well, if anything, you know, he became like, that much more G.I. Joe Sergeant Slaughter because I don't know if the plan yeah. was to have him on the cartoon and to right. introduce like a, like live action Sergeant Slaughter introduced the show back from commercial breaks. Like in season one, it was like right. now back to G.I. Joe. In season two, it was Sergeant Slaughter just did a little skit after every commercial break, just a two second skit. Um, and yeah, so he was making public appearances as Sergeant Slaughter, the GI Joe. So they got a lot out of this mm -hmm. deal, but just conceptually, mm -hmm. I'm surprised that Hasbro agreed to it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then this it's led to all kinds of uh, rights issues within the WWE. Like they changed mm -hmm. all their contracts to establish exactly who owns the characters, the likenesses of the wrestlers. Yeah. 
It was really interesting. And uh, one last thing I'll add to that is that LJN, the action figures they made were those giant, like, 10-inch rubber figures. Mm, they Like, they were okay. pre-posed, they couldn't move, but because yeah, they were yeah. rubber, you could kind of get them to grab a headlock right. or whatever. Punch. So we were talking about form factor of action figures last episode. Uh, Hasbro yeah. made an LJN-style Sergeant Slaughter as a male-away figure. It was a 10-inch rubber figure. It was actually 10.1-inch, oh, so that he was taller <laughs> than all of the LJN figures, even not taller than Andre the Giant. Um. And just also a fun fact, he comes with a swagger stick, and that swagger stick is one of the most valuable accessories of the vintage G.I. Joe line, because it was so easily lost of a figure yeah. that not everybody got, and when you did get it, you probably weren't thinking about the, the value of the accessory to him as a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that is how Sergeant Slaughter came to be a part of G.I. Joe. He ended up being a Joe from, uh, I think they signed the deal in 85, and then by about 1990 is when uh, that wore off, and so Sarge returned to wrestling, and uh, this was right on the cusp of the Iraq war and Vince McMahon brought him in as an Iraqi sympathizer and made him the big bad guy. And a lot of people mm. speculate that was him getting back at Sergeant Slaughter yeah. for, for messing him up, even though they could have rode the wave of this being celebrity Sergeant Slaughter, who people remember from G.I. Joe. But uh, wrestling's right, a yeah. business like that. Yeah, it's a weird, well, business run by... A fella who's, Let's just uh, call him, uh, you know, a, an interesting person. All right, fine. I'm, I'm yeah, egomaniac. That's just <laughs> <laughs> there. You go. Yeah, just rip the bandaid off. <laughs> Actually, all this happened like weeks before WrestleMania one. So right now, we all know WrestleMania as like this this yearly event that wrestling does. But then yeah. it was a major gamble, and they lost one of their biggest names weeks before wow. it. Yeah, it's. It's really interesting. Like, okay. if you get to see Sergeant Slaughter give a seminar at a con, it's totally worth it. He's got these great stories. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll go into... The, he's At one point, he pitched uh, a Pee-wee's Playhouse type of show, but with Sergeant Slaughter. And with everything <laughs> around the building just has is based on his face. So, like, the garbage can is the Sergeant Slaughter face with the lid. <laughs> and that they would bring in live-action uh, characters, or live-action actors playing the Joes to do little skits and stuff. It is a bonkers idea, and I'm not surprised it never came to life. But I love that he was so committed to this bit that he, he came up with this whole show of how uh, they yeah. could support him. I wish they had filmed a pilot. Oh, that would that be would amazing. Been, would have been amazing. Yeah. But um, now that we've got the real-life Sergeant Slaughter stuff out of the way, let's talk about the limited edition right. accessory pack. So this box includes the Sergeant Slaughter source book, the Marauders versus the Slaughter Monster adventure book, uh, Sergeant Slaughter printed... Paintable, sorry. Paintable miniature. Paintable mini. Yeah. Uh, 33 characters and vehicle standees, 14 plastic stands, and three double-sided map tiles. So we talked about how this is kind of jumping the queue. Uh, we've seen Power Rangers announce that it's putting out these standee packs and whatnot. G.I. Joe has no such product currently announced. But right, yeah. um, like this is probably, and I'm saying this as someone who doesn't really know for sure, this is probably a good in- indication that G.I. Joe is getting some in the future as well. Otherwise... You just have this interesting selection of like a dozen characters that uh, are the only standees right. for G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they's, uh, they're, the, they're put together in such a way that they match up to the adventure, I think, so that yeah. you can run the adventure on the map tiles with the standees given. So it's all kind of like a collect. I mean, obviously, you still need the G.I. Joe core rule book right. to, to do anything, but this is kind of a, meant to be kind of a self contained product. Yeah, which and which is why we'll talk about when we get to some of the new options that were introduced. We also need to include the rules for how those options worked because those options weren't 
Like mm -hmm. I, options of that type weren't originally introduced in the core rule book. Yeah. So um, I don't actually have my copy of the box set yet. So I'm just going off the PDFs of the adventure for this standee, uh, for the standee, for this review. Uh, did you happen to get sure, yours yeah. yet? No, I didn't. I don't know if I'm even going to. Oh, okay. Honestly, <laughs> so, well, who knows? Uh, I hope to get a second one and I hope to someday see Sarge mm -hmm. at a con and just get him to sign it. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that would be, be that would go up on a place of honor on my shelves. Do you like does he go to a lot of cons and, uh, that they're at least close enough to you? That you uh, can... If you follow him on Twitter, he does go to a decent amount of he cons. Doesn't. I don't know how much traveling he does. I don't remember the last time he came to Canada. I cannot even guarantee he has a passport. But oh, yeah, um, yeah uh, hopefully, hopefully things line up. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if not, I am willing to ship this to somebody that is going and will. Oh, there you go. Pay for them to attend the con that he's going to if I know somebody in the area for them to get it signed for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. It would just also be nice to say, like, I wrote this and give it to him. But yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah, of course. Failing that, a, a signature would be nice. Mm hmm. All right. So it does include the two books. One of them is the source book, and this is full of player options. And it was an absolute delight to uh, write this stuff. A lot of fun stuff. Yeah. So it starts with an introduction, as you would expect. And so. All I just talked about how interesting the real-life story of how Sergeant Slaughter joined G.I. Joe is. The in-character story is almost non-existent. And so I needed to <laughs> fill in the gaps of what his life was before G.I. Joe. Like, that was mandated as one of the things to include in this product. And it's like, Great. he showed up one day, he was the best, and so they put him on the team, is basically the story. If you just cross-reference uh, the comics, which he only showed up in two issues of, his oh, wow. file cards which are like just 10 sentences about how Sergeant Slaughter's the best. And then yeah. his comic appearances or his cartoon appearances, which is the majority of uh, where his, his backstory gets fleshed out, which is very right. little. We know he went to college. Mm -hmm. We know he learned ancient Greek at college. Um, otherwise <laughs> he just showed up to the base one day at the same time as a whole bunch of new characters were at the base inexplicably. And then Sergeant Slaughter kind of gets uh, a real shine in that first episode of a rise to Brenda arise. Right. So yeah, um, the life before GI Joe here. It even specifically says, uh, from what I turned over, um, that might be why there are more rumors than records of Sergeant Slaughter's early life, because yeah, there right. canonically speaking, there is very little that I can draw from. So I just had a lot of fun uh, taking the stuff that was on the file card and kind of extrapolating it into more of a story. Yeah, that's cool that that you had the freedom to fill in some of the blanks basically or they say you know this might not be true but this is what we're gonna mm. go with because we need to write something so almost nothing that i've written introduces new concepts like and that's just not sure. just here that is in all of the books that i've written on it's yeah takes an idea that's uh, alluded to somewhere and like extrapolates on it but there's very few times where i've just said like here's my own fresh idea that i'm going to input in here i can't even think of an example of it from the core rule book um, and so, uh, with Sergeant Slaughter, it was, I really wanted this to be the most pure interpretation of everything we know about Sergeant Slaughter and not just my fan fiction about Sergeant Slaughter and G.I. Joe. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Uh, and so in this introduction, it also talks about the Slaughterhouse, which plays a major part in the adventure. And, uh, Slaughterhouse is something that is introduced in the cartoon in very interesting way. Um, mm. So in that episode uh, that introduced Sergeant Slaughter, it's Arise, Sprinter, Arise. And he shows up to Jojo Base to help the Joes uh, fight off a Cobra attack. 
And then he says, like, I got a bunch of bad recruits back at the slaughterhouse, so I got to go. And General Hawk asks him, like, hey, you know what? I think we've gotten a little complacent. Can you whip us into shape before you go? And that's Mm -hmm. Sergeant Slaughter's role in that first episode of the cartoon. So um, the second season of G.I. Joe, or actually uh, that first uh, miniseries that kicked off the second season of G.I. Joe was written at the same time as the G.I. Joe movie. So then Mm -hmm. when we get to the G.I. Joe movie, we find out who that bad group of recruits was. It's the Renegades. And we see the slaughterhouse for the first time. But it's never given like a hero shot of like, here's the setting of this Mm -hmm. scene. It's just in the background. And for, you know, like the first decade of the times that I watched the animated movie, I saw it in... uh, non-widescreen in standard screen i don't know in small screen and it wasn't until i got the dvd and had saw widescreen that you really get to see what the slaughterhouse looks like and it is just Mm -hmm. a bunker made out of a crashed airplane and this isn't alluded (laughs) to anywhere nobody says there's the slaughterhouse here's why it looks like an airplane and so i did research into uh buzz dixon who was the story editor at the time and like why is that and he said that when he saw the triple t tank it looked to him like they had just taken a jet plane engine and built a seat into it and put it on treads. And so in his mind, a plane crashed. Sergeant Slaughter mm. took the engine, made a tank out of it, and used the rest of it to make his base. <laughs> now, did just it seems like a lot of uh, like the myths around Sergeant Slaughter that somehow he crashed he might have even like been able to like, grab that plane out of the sky <laughs> and smash it into the ground or something. Yeah. Drops it with a pile driver and then builds his exactly, base by yeah. hand. <laughs> it was full of bad guys. Don't worry. Yeah. So yeah, when I was just reading up on how much thought went into the slaughterhouse and it's never touched on in any media, wow. I was like, this could be yeah. an episode on its own. This could be its own comic series and it's mm-hmm. never been touched on. So when I got to do the, uh, the slaughter box set, I was like, I have to do the slaughterhouse justice because this thing is fascinated and it has never been given its proper spotlight. Awesome. Uh, so after the introduction, we get the new player options. Uh, there's a cool piece of original art here where Sergeant Slaughter has Destro in uh, the Cobra Clutch, which was Sergeant Slaughter's <laughs> main finishing move, which uh, if you know the Million Dollar Man, the Million Dollar Dream is the same move. Or it's basically mm-hmm. a sleeper hold, but it gets the arm in there as well to put a little, I don't know, to make it fancier. I don't think it would actually yeah. be more effective than just putting your arm around a guy's throat. It's a little, got a little zhuzh on it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's like really well portrayed there. Uh yeah, just a, a really cool shot, a cool piece of original art. Most of the original art of Sergeant Slaughter in this book is just Sergeant Slaughter looking cool, looking tough, or leading yeah. the Renegades. So this one is one of his real action shots, and it really stands out because of it. All right, we introduce a new influence, once a marauder, uh, which is, it. I'll just admit, it's barely an influence. It's just a reason to give you access to the Slaughter's Marauders right from level one. Yeah, 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 but it was still really fun to write, and especially the uh, background bonds. I usually dread writing the background bonds. I, I they're not the kind of thing I use as a player or as a GM, and so when I'm writing them, yeah. I'm just like, ah, just find twelve clever sentences that right. you know tie into it thematically. But in this case, because once a marauder as an influence is a lot more abstract, I just decided that I'm going to go into the the file cards of the six characters that are in Slaughter's Marauders. And I'm going to yeah. draw, I wanted to do two each, but again, Sergeant Slaughter, the actual backstory is pretty light and right. um, he's got a lot more attention in this book. So I forget which character, but one of them got three entries, everyone else got two and Sergeant Slaughter got one. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, if you're reading over the background bonds, you can tie them directly yeah. to one of the characters in Slaughter's Marauders. And I think at some 
point in the book too we even literally point out the numbers yeah uh and when we, we talk, talk creating uh, how to create these these, exactly. these characters in, in in the s20 system so yeah. yeah and honestly that's just because um when i had written it i was about 100 words short for each one like yeah. it just what came sure. naturally of what to include in those sections was a little short so i was like right. oh you know what i know this information why not just point it out to people exactly uh, so then the opposite of Once a Marauder, which I called barely an uh, influence, we've got the new origin, Marine, which is, I was almost worried people would get mad at us that we are locking the Marine origin into a limited edition product. But right. I discussed that this will eventually be reprinted once the limited edition box is no longer oh, available. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So people don't have to worry that they will no longer have the Marine, which is one of the main fighting forces of the US military. Uh, yeah, they will have access to it, but just... Um, I fought to include it in this book, uh, even though I was worried about its inclusion, just because reading over uh, Sergeant Slaughter's backstory, it's not just that he's a drill instructor, it's that he's a Marine drill instructor. Like it really, him being a Marine is an important part of his backstory. And so I knew that the way that we suggested making a Marine of like combining a little bit of the soldier and a little bit of the sailor origins from the G.I. Joe core rule book, most people were not satisfied with that. And just looking at how does this translate into Sergeant Slaughter? Not perfectly. So, uh, right, yeah, statistically, yeah. Here's, here's oh, something. go ahead. I'll just say, here's something specific that is Marine that you can use in the game. Yeah, yeah exactly. So like the essence score increases the skills, the starting health and movement. That's all the combination of sailor and soldier, like it was suggested, but then they get mm-hmm. hardcore, which is the unoriginal, uh, origin benefit, which is just, uh, you get to delay the effects of one attack until the end of a turn, which seemed to really like befit the, the Marines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I like the name of it, Hardcore, because it's the Marine Corps, and because you're hardcore. But it's not core, Did it's it, core. It's not, wait, wait, is it spelled like like the the difficulty level in video games, or is it actually spelled hard? It's two words, corpse. hard, and then C-O-R-P-S, hardcore. Yes, okay, great, I remember that, okay. I can't quite remember when, when uh, Ryan tries to sneak in a pun, and I, whether, when, when I'm developing something, whether I allow it or don't allow it, I favor on allowing it Thank most you. of the time. So I'll just let you know. But so. and Usually my puns will make sense in the context. Sure. Yeah. No, it makes sense. All right, and then we've got the new option. Uh, sorry, the new role options. So the officer gets the drill instructor, the renegade. Actually, I'll do one at a time. So the officer gets the drill instructor, um, which is the one that makes the most sense for Sergeant Slaughter. So he's got multiple action figures. We wanted to make sure that each iteration of these action figures, these different versions of Sergeant Slaughter each got some love, but the majority of this book was treating Sergeant Slaughter like his first figure, which was him as a drill mm-hmm. instructor. Uh, and officer made the most sense, but here's the problem. The officer uh, dumps strength. It's got a really weak strength and that does not work for Sergeant Slaughter. So a couple of things happened. One, we gave the officer alternate equipment training qualification. Normally they are given, um, they're qualified in a limited ranged weapon. Uh, you have the option to instead be qualified in a limited melee weapon. And then the drill instructor, the way I worked around the, the essence score progressions was with the rough, rough and takes no gruff, mm-hmm. which whenever you gain a speed increase, which is one of the officer's better uh, stat increases, mm-hmm. you can choose to do speed or strength. So that means that if you want to do still a speed-based officer, you can with the drill instructor. But if you specifically mm-hmm. want Sergeant Slaughter or some other really strong drill instructor, you can do that. And so that was that was my guiding thing, is that I want to be able to make Sergeant Slaughter, 
but not force you to only make Sergeant Slaughter with this option. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then otherwise, the, it's just full of a bunch of references. Addie's disease, I absolutely love that we got an intimidation-based healing skill. Uh, <laughs> and like it, it, the name makes sense. Like this might be one of my favorite yeah. combinations of like the concept, the wordplay, the the mechanics, it all works yeah. so perfectly. And it's nice and simple. And it doesn't actually heal you. It just gives you the strength to move on until the end of combat. So yeah. Right. Yeah, that one's Makes fun. Sense. Uh, hup, hup, hup is really fun. Uh, <laughs> and that's like, again, these are all quotes. This in the first episode after General Hawk tells Sergeant Slaughter to whip people into shape. That's what he does. He's just yeah. following behind them like, hup, 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 hup. And uh, so it's like, all right, I'll write that down as my words that we can include as options. I don't know how I'm going to use hup, 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 but there it is. <laughs> and yeah, it made the cut. And then not perfect, but better. That's perfect. Again, all classic Sergeant Slaughter lines. So actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. when he says that's right, perfect, he actually says that's right, perfect. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't like that's right, perfect, because there's a comma in the middle of it. And so when you're listing perks, you usually separate them by commas. So I try oh, yeah, and avoid yeah, yeah, having yeah. commas in the middle of a name. But the only other option was to have P-E-E-E-E-E-R-F-E-E-E-E-C-T for perfect. That's what that's a nice fun little uh, editor trap because is it how many e's? Yeah, you know you gotta remember Four. exactly how many e's. So, yeah, but sure. the, and then yeah. I, maybe it should be ours because like you don't want it to be perfect. Perfect, perfect. Uh, it does sound like it's more r's than e's. Yeah, perfect. Uh, but the air anyway. <laughs> we didn't yeah. go with perfect. Remember that's right, perfect. Despite a comma, and I guess I could have also not had the comic, but then it's that's right, perfect. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been, could have been, that's right, exclamation point. Perfect. Oh, exclamation yeah. Point. Exclamation points in the middle of a perk. Uh, yeah. You can get away with that more easily than because commas. You, yeah. This is either I'd the say. stuff that you and I care about way more than the audience, or the audience <laughs> yeah. is absolutely fascinated that we put this much thought into these little things. Yeah. All right. Then we got Renegade options. So uh, the Renegade felt like the perfect role for the pro wrestler version of the Sergeant Slaughter character. Mm -hmm. And um, and I was surprised when I was coming up with different concepts for Sergeant Slaughter that of the three focus options in Renegade, none of them were hand-to-hand -hand combatants. They were all mm -hmm. like short range, but it's like you run forward and then you unload your shotgun or your, uh, your submachine gun. So uh, there was actually room for a hand-to-hand -hand based Renegade. The problem with it is that Reckless Abandon, which is the Renegade's main perk, didn't quite fit with Sergeant Slaughter. And so we created the alternate Renegade role perk of Renegade Commander. So instead of giving himself Reckless Abandon, he gives somebody else Reckless Abandon, which means that you now have a Renegade, but a leader type uh, role out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, you know, it makes sense. It, it, it on a way it ties in a little bit too to Drill Instructor, yep. Sergeant Slaughter, where he's, you know, egging people on. And then one of its first role perks or focus perks is Try Me. And again, that's straight out of that Arise Sprinter Arise training the Joes episode where like uh wetsuit is just tired of like Sergeant Slaughter being the one that's like, he's just standing there while they're doing all the work. And so Slaughter's mm -hmm. is just like, try me. And they all jump him, and you just see him throwing off all the Joes, including there's a shot where he just punches Flint in the face. And that kind of <laughs> hurt my heart as a guy who likes Flint and Sergeant Slaughter. And Flint didn't seem like the kind of guy that would get in on this. But right, uh, right. anyway, that, that's how it was animated there. And yeah, so try me is you uh, draw, you, you offer up the chance for yeah. 
the enemies to get a free move action, not on their turn, and get a free attack on you. But uh, it's a contested skill roll. So it's the two of them are rolling against each other and it's might versus might, finesse versus finesse. I've seen these like kiting uh, options before in role-playing games. And a lot of times you just say like, come here and fight me. And there's not enough incentive for the person to actually do that. So a lot of times they just get a no. Whereas this getting both a free move action and a free attack at the risk of uh, taking damage, that feels like something that NPCs would naturally want to get in on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, often it's like, come fight me, make it harder to fight everybody else. Oh, yeah. You know, these sorts of things, which is always sort of like, you know, it doesn't, it's not as snappy yeah. as just come get me and punch me. And then if they're ignoring you turn after turn, it's like, no, fight me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't care. I have a really high attack bonus. Oh, I don't, I don't mind that minus. So now I'm going to show you, so our listeners don't get to see it, but here's one of the uh, Sergeant Slaughter action mm -hmm. figures that Hasbro made over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the one based on his wrestler look, and you see it comes with a belt. Oh, it's the belt, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. when we were talking about the things, I'm not going to try and put that back on the shelf in the middle of the conversation. Um, when we were talking about the things we can include in this, um, it was suggested that we can have a championship belt as gear. And, uh, I, I just found it very hard to justify because Sarge, again, isn't actually a pro wrestler in GI Joe right. lore. So the way I alluded to this accessory was that in the wrestler focus perk it says, um, if it didn't ruin any attempts at camouflage, you'd wear a 10 pound gold championship belt into combat. Yeah. <laughs> so the belt's not really in there, but it's spiritually mentioned. It's in there enough. And then finally, we've got the new Vanguard options. So the last of the three versions of Sergeant Slaughter that uh, we could mention was the fact that of the four toys that came out for Sergeant Slaughter, two of them came as tank drivers. So one with the Triple D, one with the Warthog. And so Vanguard, we wanted to give it the tank commander um, type focus, but... We also tied it into the Marauders in that it's a jungle fighter and a tank fighter. It's it's kind of hard to sum up what the theme of the Marauder focus is, except that it, it works with Vanguard, which is also the role that is a little harder to sum up thematically. It's just, yeah, when you see a Vanguard, you know it's a Vanguard. Yeah. But one of the problems with the Vanguard, one of the things it's criticized for is that uh, it has the personal shield, which gives you a force field. And a lot of people are like, this is very specific and not optional. And it doesn't feel like it fits the enough G.I. Joes. And even if you go down our list of characters that we uh, list as examples of vanguards, like Roadblock's one of them, he doesn't have uh, like a, a force field force around field. him. Lady J does once in one episode of the cartoon. Mm -hmm. And like we're kind of lean on that as the example of the vanguard shield. Mm -hmm. um, but I know a lot of people didn't care for that. And I know it didn't work for Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter does not need a force field. He's so tough. And so we gave, mm -hmm. as an alternative to the force field, meat shield, which is just saying you are your muscles are so thick that you don't need armor. And Thank it's you. a different take. It effectively gives the same bonuses. It, it I played with mechanics a little bit just so that it's not the same option, but thematically different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in the end, it's mostly the personal shield, but now it fits with a character like Sergeant Slaughter. If you had your, like, druthers go back in time. Yes. Would you Vanguard change Vanguard to be more like that? More like just like you're just tough. Yeah. So there's you know. two things that I would change out of the base rules. I would lower the uh, commandos sneak attack to just plus one damage, period. Not have it scale up because commandos are extremely deadly because of it. And I would, mm. I think, even just get rid of personal shield. Like Vanguards are so hard to hit because of that personal mm. shield. 
and yeah, really yeah. all we needed to show that you could be a vanguard with uh like heavy armor is to say you are qualified with super heavy armor they are the only people that are even trained i believe in super heavy armor and so mm-hmm. that really was enough but we hadn't quite figured out what role equipment played in perks and right. so i think that one uh, so ben's the one that designed the vanguard and that was his solution for like making it the paladin type class sure uh, yeah, paladin type role and uh, yeah i i in the end don't think it's necessary and actually is kind of game breaking with the way that that armor bonus scales because again it's like fair it's a lot yeah it is very hard to overcome vanguard unless you have computerized but then it feels like everyone has to be packed with computerized and i don't uh, sorry with um uh, electromagnetic EMPs. weapons and i don't always yeah. remember to include that in threat stat blocks hmm. so the only justification i could recommend to gms is that if suddenly there's this one Joe who's just blown through every Cobra line, but somebody once used an EMP. So you can now justify ex- changing the stat blocks to say like, yeah, the world so. of your campaign has taught Cobra to include EMPs that our stat blocks don't. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, and the other option would be if we, if we really like the personal shield, that could have been a focus option, like the, oh, the sure, center yeah. piece of a focus option for the Vanguard and not its main thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't often publicly criticize the Vanguard because I didn't design it. Uh, but yeah, that is, with a couple of years of hindsight now, that is a, a problem sure. mechanic, I think. I mean, yeah, no, it all, it always, there's always something. There's always a little something that you can go back and you, you'd want to go back and tweak. Yeah. And so a lot of the uh, Marauder focus options are about the fact that the Marauders are both the jungle infiltration group and they drive giant tanks. And so it's a lot about getting a little more stealth out of your tank and to try and explain just these are two things like the Marauders make a lot more sense than most sub teams, but that's one thing that was hard to justify mechanically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, And then we get to a new faction and uh, this is what we were talking about when like faction rules are introduced in several books up till now, but not the core rule book. And so because we had factions options, suddenly a chunk of my word count that was dedicated to options now had to be dedicated to explaining what a faction is so that we can have yeah, Slaughter's Marauders as a faction in there. I I yeah, do yeah. like that uh, I said it's they're explained in more detail elsewhere, so consider this your uh, faction rules boot camp. Oh, there we go. Faction rules basic training. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, yeah, I didn't need to put a little flavor in there, but I, I did, and I, I'm proud of myself. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, so the big thing about uh, the Marauders faction is that it gives a general perk at first level. So you're giving up a lot of stuff when you don't get Yojo. You don't get that plus one health. You don't get... Right, yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's the big one. Um, so trading that up for general perk, for one thing, means that um, there's a lot more versatility to mm-hmm. Marauders, which is in theme. But it also meant that when I then had to actually stat out the characters... Someone like Mutt, I now had the option because suddenly I had more avenues to get a general perk at first level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just looking at the others. I, there's some fun stuff in here, and I think this really taught us how to make a faction because uh, mm-hmm. it's, tra- it's it's you get a defensive option, you get a flavorful uh, like trick mechanic option. And you get some kind of vehicle qualification, which is not defined in the core rulebook. So now we're saying, like, qualified with a vehicle means you can drive it even if you don't have driving skills. Right. And so uh, we've done that a lot when we've done new factions. In this case, you're qualified with land vehicles. So none of the Slaughter's Marauders vehicles were jets or anything but tanks. 
So that works there thematically. Uh, speaking of tanks. Oh, uh, sorry, Jason, I'm kind of plowing through you. Uh, any thoughts okay. on developing these uh, focus options? <laughs> no, I think, no, no. I mean, I, 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 it's one of those things where there were never, there weren't any like big sticking points for me because uh, I knew that you knew what you were talking about and I knew a little bit less and I was just, oh, yeah, yeah, it looks good. And I don't recall anything being majorly changed in development um major change um major and lee the, the, major lee <laughs> right like like lee pace exactly um um or lee majors wait uh lee major lee majors um i one thing i just sort of like do remember was adding in a little like something to replace what happens with yojo like the saying yojo Putting in a the marine-y kind of like hoorah as your oh, sort yeah. of thing that you say when you begin combat. That's the thing I remember adding. Cool. I, I didn't even notice that that was changed from the original document because yeah. yeah, it. I don't. It totally I don't works. know if it had something. It was sort. Of, I was like we say we were learning how factions works, mm -hmm. and it was like oh, factions have you have the name of the faction, and then you have eighth like GI Joe is the faction, and Yojo is the sort of I went perk I guess you can call it sort of like factiony perk that sort of and I wanted to have them be sort of slightly different, and it was the only thing I could think of. <laughs> Oh, actually, uh, one thing I almost skipped over is that one of the faction perks is always a Marauder. And so if you take the once a Marauder yeah. influence, always the Marauder from the faction. It just it's completes good, yeah. the pairing. Uh, yeah, perfect. Just one of those things that amuses me, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. You got to, you know, why not? You can amuse yourself and people will notice, I think. All right. Moving on to Sergeant Slaughter's motor pool. Uh, I always spell motor pool as one word, so I'm sorry that you had to probably change that about 20 <laughs> that, times. That in is this something document. I do remember yeah. checking. Going, oh, actually, that's two words, isn't it? Um, yeah. And going through the G.I. Joe errata, doing the same. Because oh, yeah. one word in, in like some places and two words in other places in the core rule book. Yeah. Because uh, I think I'm the one that throws motor pool into the documents most often, and I spell it wrong every time. <laughs> I've, I've stopped. Missing a space. But up until a point. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, I don't know. It just feels like one word. It's the motor pool. It could, it could be, you know, carpool might, is that one word? I think no. carpool is one word, isn't it? Is it one word? Yeah, it might be. I don't know. Whirlpool is one word. So why not motorpool? So something that was pointed out to me about the vehicles in the G.I. Joe core rule book is that we didn't give G.I. Joe any tanks. And oh. we wanted to make sure that we gave G.I. Joe a bunch of iconic vehicles. We wanted to make sure there were land, sea, and air vehicles. We wanted to make sure there were personal vehicles and like larger group vehicles of every yeah. land, sea, and air. And so, like, very quickly that loaded up with, like, these are the vehicles yeah. we actually absolutely have to include in there. And then we ran out of space, and the tanks in G.I. Joe are just tanks, so they're less iconic. And I guess that's why mm -hmm. none of them made the cut. But then once it was pointed out that no tanks are on the G.I. Joe side, it was like, <laughs> oh, that's that's bad. That feels like uh, an omission on our part. So yeah. uh, this wasn't designed to uh, fill that omission. This just happened to work out that all the vehicles associated with Sergeant Slaughter are tanks. So right, if yeah. you looked at the G.I. Joe vehicle section said there aren't enough tanks, you pick up this box and now you've got four tanks, including a personal tank, the Triple T, the uh, um, personnel carrier, which is the Warthog, and then just a couple of just big beefy boys, the Equalizer and the Lynx. Yeah. And all I can say is about add, add, having added all of these tanks is, of course, you're welcome. <laughs> Hmm. you're not the only one who can pun right thank you jason so uh this did the fact that we didn't do tanks in the core rulebook did mean that i could then add a uh, tank as a vehicle trait that was not originally introduced oh. 
technically, I guess the his tank could have it, but the his tank as a high speed sentry, you could say it's stripped down, so it doesn't get the benefit of being resistant to ballistic and martial arts weapons. So right. you cannot just <laughs> shoot a tank. You cannot just stab a tank. You need an element <laughs> weapon, an explosive, something that'll really yeah, take yeah, yeah. the tank out. Uh, which what I think, if I have a really sharp katana? Like that should be. That's why it's resistant, some... not immune. Yeah, fair enough. There's uh, an episode where the Dreadnoughts are training some Cobra recruits, and they're they actually give some pretty good advice. Like uh, Torch says to take down a building, you flame the foundation, and the rest of the building comes down with it. And it's like you know what? That is those are words to live <laughs> by, Torch. Uh, and then Storm Shadow's watching them just like pick apart a tank, like a, just a bunch of scavengers. And he's like, no. And he just kind of walks around the tank, hits it in like five specific spots, and the whole tank falls apart. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, one of the things that I do with the Triple T is a uh, power called Rest Control. And that is that if you succeed in an athletics test, uh, an opposed athletics test against the Triple T, then you double its speed. And there were a couple of reasons for that. One was that to show that Sergeant Slaughter, who was maxed out at the athletics, is better at the Triple T than anyone else. That this is really a tank that only Sergeant Slaughter or someone as tough as Sergeant Slaughter can control. Uh, two, it's because skills on vehicles are tough. And mm. by saying like, oh, okay, the contested athletic skill means that I can spend three skill points on athletics, which bumps up its strength. And now I need to justify how a tank is using athletics. Right, yeah. And it also meant that I didn't need to max out Sergeant Slaughter's driving skill because... By using athletics to make his tank better, he doesn't have to be as good of a driver. So yeah, Makes it sense. might just look like a fun little power, but it actually serves a lot of mechanical purposes there. <laughs> uh, then we've got the Warthog, one of my favorite vehicles as a kid and comes with my favorite version of Sergeant Slaughter. Um, and it's the second time that Hasbro released uh, an APC and decided the A stands for Amphibious because just by design of them being long and flat, they float. Mm -hmm. And so Hasbro oh. <laughs> made that a selling point of these vehicles. Right. APC normally stands for armored, armored personnel yes. carrier. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, in this case, it's the AIFV, which is the Amphibious oh, Infantry yeah. Fighting Vehicle. And this is another time that just going through the specs that came with the vehicles led to some fun uh, mechanics, especially because, like, a vehicle, they're just, it's just the same thing over and over, right? It's just a chunk of metal yeah, with yeah. guns on it. And so you got to comb through the things that the, details on the vehicle to make it stand out and in this case it was the smoke launchers so it has just these three little smoke launchers up there and so i added a mechanic for smoke launchers which means attacks against it suffer a snag uh for the one turn and you can only use it once per scene like it perfectly aligns with how our mechanics work and then i also gave it the roaring engines perk which lets it do intimidation skill tech Again, because I need to justify some of the skills that I give these tanks. Sure, and yeah. it being a warthog, it felt like, you know, you get this thing actually snarls as it drives into combat. So I think it added a lot nice. of personality. Nice. Yeah. And then we've got the Marauders tanks, the Equalizer, just a, that's just an awesome just toy. <laughs> and it's like awesome toys make awesome threat stat blocks. And then the Lynx, not such an awesome toy. It's, <laughs> uh, it takes the gun from the Mauler, which is one of the bigger tanks. And then puts it on the base of the Wolverine, which is a much smaller tank. And that's why the description even says that it's, uh, it dares to match the firepower of the Mauler with the maneuverability of the Wolverine. <laughs> and the whole thing is about how, like, when you fire this thing, this small base is going to rock, right. knock you around. It's going to mess you up. It, I, it's kind of me criticizing this as a toy, <laughs> as flavor for it as a tank. 
Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Not that I mind it. Like it's it's got its flaws, but it still made those flaws actually made it a more interesting vehicle. Sure, yeah, it makes it, it gives it personality. Alright, so that's it for the motor pool. And now we're talking about the allies. Again, this was a part where we uh, didn't have them sort of... All, all of this stuff is in Field Guide, but we didn't have it really firmed up for... We were doing it sort of simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, and this was the part where we, I think, nailed down a few things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we introduced the rules for... They were allies at the time, but by the time everything got published, they were changed to right. contacts. Contacts, yeah. And um, this is also where I really started to realize the power of the contacts mechanic. Because it really lets mm -hmm. us just like narrow down a character to mm -hmm. three abilities. And it's usually like two abilities are based on the main thing you think of that character. And then one ability is based right. on like his personality or just yeah. something you, you don't expect as much. Um, I, in fact, I think that um, Falcon, one his third ability is that he's a, a backup medic, which is his secondary military, especially on his file card, which surprised me. And so I think it's called like his surprising skill. No. <laughs> like it just flat out says like, oh, you didn't know Falco was a medic? He is a medic. Well, he patches you up. Yeah. So um, when, uh, like, back when I first announced the Upshift podcast and said that I would be contributing more to Essence 20 content for the uh, No Direction site instead of uh, as much Pathfinder content, one of the concepts I had was basically what these build a character things like this is what one of the blogs ideas I had was just take a Joe and say, them. this is how I would make them as a character. And uh, I can't do that as a blog because you never know when that's actually going to be content that is needed for a book like this. Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, just to say out loud, um, this section pr provides, does it provide how you build Sergeant Slaughter? How do you build yeah. Sergeant Slaughter in three different ways, right? And then. Oh, no. It's building him one way, three different way. Okay. contacts, set blocks. And then three me. different, having him as three different contacts yeah. and how to get him his contact. And then it goes through all the Marauders individually how you would use these rules yeah exactly to make them and then because yeah. uh, what i i wouldn't have guessed going into this product is that i would get to do stuff with the marauders i thought it really would just be just sergeant slaughter so the fact yeah, that yeah. i was also allowed to use the marauders was like kind of nice because mm -hmm. again sergeant slaughter is a fairly simple character and like having these characters that are just like a different variety of characters and the fact that the marauders are all like let's say we divide uh, G.I. Joe up to like A-list uh, to the D-list. Hmm. All the Marauders are solid B-list characters. Like maybe Footloose yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of flirts with the C-list, but like Spirit, Barbecue, Low Light, these are all yeah. Mutt and Junkyard. Mutt even flirts with the A-list. So these are characters, yeah. all of these guys are somebody's favorite G.I. Joe. And so getting exactly. to go into more detail than we have with any of the other NPCs other than Sergeant Slaughter, obviously. Um, <laughs> that was nice. And it was fun to look up these characters. And we've talked a little bit about how like, I love Target Force. Target Force makes no sense. Slaughter's Marauders <laughs> right. makes a lot of sense. This is a good team. Right, yeah, yeah. And like the personalities oh. of the characters all make sense as the, like the characters you are most likely to underestimate. And Barbecue really sums that up because like a lot of people criticize the idea of even have a firefighter on a military unit. But like firefighter's a backup yeah. medic. He's super strong. He puts out fires, yeah. which you might have to deal with. Like he's right. resourceful. And honestly, like just writing out how I would build... Uh, barbecue as a character that might have been the most fun build out of all the characters in here because he's just nice. he's so useful and he is a good well-rounded yeah. character so to sort of jump ahead a little bit too these marauders are also presented as 
uh, as playable uh, characters for the adventure, sort of pregens for the adventure. Yeah. Right. So did you, I have to ask you, did you work on that sort of simultaneously? It's like, oh, make it, or did you make one the one version of them first, copy that down, like, oh, but also here are some ways, to, other ways to do it. Because I think, you know, they're pretty much, they, they should match up. Yeah. So I worked yeah. on them simultaneously, including having just a chart with like, here's the names of the characters. Here's all the skills. Yeah. I need to make sure every skill gets mentioned somewhere. And I think performance is the only one that didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. Um, or does Footloose have performance? No, nobody has performance. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted it to not just be, here's how to make these characters, but here's how to make this team and make it a well-rounded team. Yeah. Not just yeah, yeah. for, you know, uh, not just because that makes it a more interesting read, but also so that when you use them as pre-generated characters, they work as a unit. As a team. Yeah. Cool. Footloose is probably the character that I cared the least about going into this and then just reading over his file card about He's just a weird guy that people don't get. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I like Footloose. No I like him more than... He used to be my least yeah. favorite Marauder. Now they're all tied for first. Nice. Uh, and then... So I don't... I haven't seen any feedback on this, but we present how to build the Marauders and then the Marauders as contacts. And then we get to the Renegades and the Renegades are only presented as contacts here, although through, right. um, all of them except for Lieutenant Falcon then get a stat block in uh, the adventure right. because they are presented as opponents. Uh, and it really was just, we don't have room to make everyone fully fleshed out and detailed how they are. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, that's the kind of thing I noticed, like the uh, asymmetry of that kind of thing. So sure. I would be, as someone reading this, wondering why that didn't happen. And it really is just like page count word numbers. Yeah, exactly. I've been I've actually been thinking a little bit about symmetry in, in game design Ooh. a lot lately, and, and it doesn't. I'm I'm come to the conclusion. I, I my you know the, the I feel like a lot of human brains want things to be symmetrical and that makes it look nice. But I you know I've I've come to to accept that you don't always need that symmetry. Like there's like this has this many you know yeah you know, just because this thing this type of option has you know seven sub options doesn't mean that uh, option b needs seven sub options right it's okay if they're even though they're, they're kind of the same thing it's okay if they're they're different and they serve different purposes or, or at least kind of fill different niches right so i don't know just something just a small thought into my brains i respect that you've reached that but i haven't i've got a document oh, about right. all of the gi joe roles and how many focus options each one has because in this one we introduced three focus options for the seven so that means that there is right. asymmetry and so there was oh Maybe it's a pro. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been announced yet, but we introduced new focus options in some later books that haven't been announced and it is filling out the asymmetry. So right now, once that book comes out with three new focus options, there's only one role that is lagging behind on focus options. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to go completely unbound. Like you, you want to, you want to have some, some, something in between. Like, so when, it, when you're talking about game options, like character options for, for players, you do want people to be able to like, go like, oh, I'm going to choose this role because it has the most sub options to it, right? You know, yeah. you don't want that to happen, but like, you don't need them to be like 100% identical in the way that like, oh, this one has exact, you know, all of them have two perks at 10th level or something like that. Like maybe one of them has one really good one and then everyone else has two, you know what I mean? You, you can, you, minor variations, right? basically is what I'm getting at Yeah. Uh, more than than full, full asymmetry, unless you're making a, a game that's like that, but that's a different story. Yeah, that's uh, Warhammer 40,000's problem with the Space Marines. Mm. They get the most stuff because they're the most popular. The most popular because they get right. the most stuff. And yeah. here I was, just an orc player, and it's like, I guess I'll also get Space Marines because 
I've bought all the orc stuff. What else am I going to do? That's how everyone ends yeah. up with the Space Marine Army. But let me tell you, when <laughs> I would show up to conventions with an orc army, people would be so excited to play me because it meant they weren't playing oh. Space Marines. <laughs> uh, and then finally, we've got new threat, Sergeant Slaughter. He is threat level 23, which I believe makes him the highest threat level character in G.I. Joe. Not in all of Essence 20. Megatron beats Sergeant Slaughter by one, I think. He's 24. Maybe. See, 25. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Mm, I don't know. I don't remember. In any case, Sergeant Slaughter can now serve I, as I, the boss at the end of a Cobra campaign. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it for the source book. And I, I think I've seen the most positive reaction to the source book options. Like I, mm-hmm. which is to be expected. Not many people are going to read the whole, through the whole adventure. Not as many people are going to play the adventure, but everyone will want source book options. And yeah, Again, because this jumped the curve, this feels more refined than a lot of other options that came out for or that will be coming out because I've got like a year of extra experience between the core rulebook yeah. and Sergeant Slaughter coming out on writing Essence 20 material. Not to say that stuff like Cobra Codex is going to be unrefined, but just Sergeant Slaughter did represent, like I felt leveled up as an Essence 20 designer when I was working on this stuff, sure. yeah. which is good because it's such a narrow focus that being able to... Uh, uh, tap into that experience and find new ways to express those 20 options uh, I think was really important for that book yeah definitely I mean it's, I think it shows too awesome. thank you Jason you're welcome alright next up we've got the adventure versus the slaughter monster so uh, we're going to give people a chance to turn off the podcast at this point if they spoilers. don't want any spoilers for this although like half the spoilers are spoiled if you've looked at the product page for the slaughter box, just cause you see all the miniatures. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, Fair. anything that's not on the good guy side, you know, you're probably going to be fighting them as the bad guys. Fair enough. All right. So, um, I love the back cover. I don't know if you've seen the PDF, but it's the slaughter monster is in the GI Joe star and he's just like bursting oh. out of it. Oh, it looks great. I missed it. I, I missed it. I missed it. So, uh, we've got an introduction here that just gives an overview of the adventure. And then we've got the four parts. Mm-hmm. Capture the flag, welcome to the slaughterhouse, infiltrate Coil Island, and monstrous showdown. Uh, so it starts on the flag, and this is one of the choices I can justify the least. I don't even know if Sergeant Slaughter has ever appeared on the USS flag in any media. I know he didn't in the comic, because again, he's only got two issue appearances. And mm-hmm. the flag still showed up in season two of, uh, of the G.I. Joe animated series, which is when Sergeant Slaughter appeared. Cannot think off the top of my head of any time he was there. I just know that the flag is a great set piece. And I had this idea of Overlord has tracked down Sergeant Slaughter and sends his attackers. And it felt like the flag is a nice claustrophobic area to be attacked. Right. You only have, can only go so far. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, people looking for more details on the flag, even though it's uh, fleshed out as a location in the core rulebook. Now you've actually got as a set piece. It also shows up in Cold Iron, but it's really just a transition point. Uh, right. But again, this is a toy. You want to be able to play with your toy. You don't want the sure. biggest uh, playset ever in action figure history to just be a background piece. So yeah, you get to fight on it. And there's this amazing piece where these Cobra invaders are falling from the sky, getting the flag. And I love this because, so the invader is not a well-loved vehicle. It's pretty <laughs> wacky. Um and it's not even the main, ver- like, this is a repaint of the Pogo, which is a notorious G.I. Joe vehicle. And then it was released in uh, the Star Brigade line, and it was repainted as the Invader. But before I thought of using the Invaders, I just wanted drop pods. I just wanted the coil to be dropping yeah. from the sky in there. And then I realized the Invader, you know, the name works. 
and it, it looks like what I want it to be. So I had no intention of using the invader, but now we've got this amazing piece where one of the first toys in the G.I. Joe line is being attacked by a bunch of one of some of the last toys from the original G.I. Joe line. <laughs> and it just works. It just shows the difference between G.I. Joe, the military force and Cobra, the wacky science yeah. fiction bad guys. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so, is, uh, tell me, yeah. ask you a question. Like, like the way the adventure, uh, adventure is presented is presented. It's a little bit like overlord is kind of like a nemesis to Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, is that like a generally, is that, is that from something? Yes. So, uh, overlords okay. a really interesting footnote in GI Joe history. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, originally you had Jojo, or sorry, you had Cobra and it was just kind of this one united force. And even though like Cobra Commander and Destro would snipe at each other, it was just Cobra. And then Serpentor came along and there was now a splinter within Cobra. And then Destro left and formed the Iron Grenadiers. And then Overlord was presented as he's the new leader of Cobra. He showed up. He said, Serpentor's guys, Destro's guys, Cobra Commander's guys, you all follow me. I have reunited Cobra. So his file card makes him look like the most important guy in all of G.I. Joe. He never shows up in the comics, never shows up in the cartoon. (laughs) The only time he shows up is that there was a series of commercials. The last commercials with Sergeant Slaughter in it, where either it started with a live action uh, Sergeant Slaughter talking about the new Joe toys. And then Overlord would show up on a TV screen behind him and be like, oh, but here's the Cobra toys that are coming out, Sergeant Slaughter. And it even ends with him saying like, oh, I hate it when he does that which is exactly how the first scene in this adventure ends where Overlord shows up on the bat's chest pieces. Oh no, I said, originally I said the chest piece, but then I remembered that's not supposed to be a screen. That is a sticker that's supposed to be their gears. So I said that their face became Overlord's and he taunts Sergeant Slaughter and then Sergeant Slaughter says, oh, I hate it when he does that. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it just seemed like there there is no real like rival to Sergeant Slaughter. But those commercials mm-hmm. kind of present Overlord like he could be. Overlord is a really underused character and a blank slate. And yeah. I think of him as uh, he he could be your discount Cobra Commander. So if you want to sure, run yeah, yeah. an adventure and you want to fight the big bad guy, but you only want to go up to 10th level, you've got Overlord. He can be the big bad at the end of it. Good, good. Awesome. Yeah, so um, I, I am really happy with how this first part came out. Where Yeah. Um, the one thing I didn't like is that I wanted to give a, a mini scene for each Marauder and it was just becoming too much. And it was becoming like 500 words too much. And 500 oh, words yeah. was about how much each scene took up. So I believe I cut out Spirit's scene and Spirit just became the first point of contact and he's helping you with all of the different scenes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, every single one of them is just a mini uh, skill challenge. Some of them have a little, oh no, there's one of them combat, a couple of them have combat elements and then some of them are purely skill. And uh, I, I think it's fun. I think it's creative and I like yeah. playing it out. You get different rewards at it. So the order that you do the different things uh, influences how yeah, they yeah. all play out. Um, I, yeah, good. I like when you can play through the same thing multiple times and make different choices and see how things play out differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I tell you a little, there's a little challenge though with, the, with what happened with this. Oh? Uh, in that the uh, other part of the accessory pack mm. are these map tiles. Yeah. These these squares. Um, but they are essentially only eight inches by eight inches, uh, which is if you do a one inch grid becomes eight squares by eight squares. Yeah. Which is really not a 
enough space. Like it doesn't. It feels very claustrophobic when you're having a fight, especially a a, a game like GI Joe where people most people have guns. Yeah. Right. So it becomes this sort of like fight. You know. So so some of the some of that stuff kind of had to get squished down a little bit to fit to be able to fit on the eight by eight squares. And I was a little uh, frustrated with that during the development process to 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 be perfectly honest yeah i think uh, i knew but... that there were maps in it i don't know if i was given the dimensions and if i was i guess i just wasn't paying attention to them yeah most of them sort of are they're fine right yeah. you know and they and they, they they're areas and, and not all the maps in the adventure are on the thingies um and some of the uh, the the end set piece is actually on like two or three map tiles mm. so it's a little bigger and a little more expensive but it was it's just a point of pain for me that just be like well why would you don't like <laughs> eight, I was just telling people like eight by eight is not a very big space yeah. when it comes to role playing. Even the slowest characters can make it across the whole thing in one turn. Yeah, they're just they're just, they're just it's just a blip really. Like you need bigger bigger stuff for if whatever this happens in the future again. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, honestly, but multiple I think, ones that you can lead together, right? You know. Yeah, um, I think if people are running it, just take those as templates and then make it like mm-hmm. twice as big, both dimensions. Make it four right. times larger. Yeah. Put it in the center of your map and then draw more stuff around it. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Because, yeah, disarmory in particular, uh, that's where you're trying to uh, get to the armory to get more weapons. And there's three vehicles that are in the scene that you can use. Uh, and yeah. the, like, there's the blast shield that comes up so that when the sky strikers take off, they don't cook the rest yeah, of the people yeah. on the board. And you're, you're supposed to be getting from behind the vehicles to behind that, and you could just do that. You could just do it in one turn with the way it's presented now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so because you had written such interesting set pieces. I love that, a good set the piece. Fact that they just they didn't fit on the map. You know, like, oh, go around here, or climb down here, and then get on the boat, and then come back up this other way. I'm like, but, like, that can't that can't fit on this 8x8 eight eight square. Yeah. So is there, you just decided to shrink it instead of making it simpler? Uh, I mean, the, yeah, it kind of came in near the end, like, when I had done the a lot of development and then sort of like after the fact of like looking at the the stuff after it been i think laid out for the most part mm-hmm. it was just like oh no this doesn't fit we need to change the fact that this is not what was it, it was a hell supposed to be a helicopter but we had to change it to a oh, boat yeah. on so that is them, the second one that's inferno bad it's weird this one i think yeah. still it works okay i i think yeah. disarmory gets really claustrophobic but the inferno bat changing it from uh, the eagle hawk which it's the more iconic vehicle but having right. a boat on yeah, the deck right. of the USS flag also totally makes sense. And really, we sure, just yeah. needed something with turrets. So yeah, exactly. uh, I think it's called the Piranha. I don't even remember. It's a fairly obscure vehicle from like not right. the vintage line, like one of the re... Uh, it's called the New Sculpt era. And, uh, right. you know, it's a cool boat. It's just not something I would have gone out of my way to include in the adventure. Sure, yeah, exactly. It was that to happen by perforce of just like, oh, a, you know, an Eagle Hawk is just most of an eight by eight square if you actually look how big it is and put it on on there so well, yeah that that's the that's the, what happens in 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 the process of making books so one thing that did get cut my crane we talked about how i'd fit a crane into every adventure that oh i'd God. written yeah the crane didn't make the cut had, the crane did have to make the cut probably for like space on the page and probably because it was again just sort of like not enough space on the space yeah which really like there's there's a bunch of mechanics about how you can pick up that boat, drop it on the bad guys. You can do a bunch of stuff like that. Very few groups, I think, would actually do that. It's just sure, uh, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where when somebody comes up with that idea that they think they've come up with something original, and then they explore it and they find out there's a whole bunch of mechanics for it. Yeah, like it, it's kind of mind blowing. So 
I like to blow people's minds with one crane per adventure. <laughs> one crane per adventure. Uh, and I also like you're building up the Marauder points. So I don't like any scene, except for maybe the last scene, to really feel like if you don't win, it's over. And right. so there's four different ways it can go. If you do terribly, Sergeant Slaughter's like, you need to go to the slaughterhouse because you need a lot of work. Whereas right, if yeah, you do yeah. amazingly, it's like, you need to go to the slaughterhouse because I need you on my team. Like, yeah. either way, you still go to the next part, but it feels like you earn the specific reaction you're getting. So and another part, an interesting part of this first part is that we have presented the Marauders as pre-gens for you to play, but also if you don't play, you play your own, guys, the Marauders are here to sort of help you out here and there. And then if maybe there's one pre-gen you don't pick, that Marauder shows up as an NPC, right? So yeah. there, there's some, there's like a sidebar in that that explains it. And I thought that was kind of uh, uh, a neat little flip. Cool. Well, thank you. It, it's always tricky when you're doing that sort of thing. It's like, oh, these are the pregens, but then also like they're in the adventure. Yeah. So well, like, so if they yeah. weren't in the adventure, then the only way the Marauders play a part in this is if you're playing the pregens. But I think most people right. are going to want to play their own characters. Sure. Yeah. Become the new Marauders. Yeah. So instead of cutting the Marauders out, we just sub in yeah. the Marauders. Uh, or sorry, we sub out the Marauders if they are the ones that are being played. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. There we go. The alternate NPCs. So airtight instead of barbecue, dusty instead of footloose, scarlet instead of low light, uh, shipwreck and Polly instead of mutton junkyard, and Duke instead of spirit. Yeah, it just sort of is fine. Yep, it works. All right, and then we got part two. So part two, welcome to the slaughterhouse. This is my love letter to the setting that never got fully fleshed out. <laughs> So well, so also from what Buzz Dixon was saying about the slaughterhouse or about the renegades specifically, who were foreshadowed in one season, introduced in the movie, and then they were gonna be like rivals to the dreadnoughts in season three, if season three ever happened. And it mm. didn't. So I have a feeling that Slaughterhouse would have eventually gotten a cool sure, yeah. uh, you know, an origin story, or at least just more right. explanation more. of why it is the way it is. Uh, and it, it never happened. That theoretical season three of G.I. Joe is something that uh, has a lot of interesting stories um, proposed. Like Buzz Dixon has talked a lot mm. about what he would have gone into it. And uh, it sounded good, but it also sounded like a lot of stuff that doesn't. So it would have had Tomax and Zaymon as major <laughs> players. And by then their toys would have been off the shelf. So I don't think Hasbro would have uh, ever gone with oh, it. Okay. So right now it's yeah. just this theoretical thing that could have been really cool, but probably wouldn't have played out the way that it's been uh, proposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Slaughterhouse is an obstacle course. So at this point, the adventure has mostly been skill challenges. Um, mm -hmm. how, how did you feel about that? Just as someone that has a lot more adventure I mean, experience I than me. It's, I don't mind that kind of thing. It's not, I mean, it's not 100% because you can fight the Inferno Bats. You yeah. can do some fighting parts. You know, the, the first part is kind of like you do what you're best at. You know, if your guys are best at skill challenges, you do a bunch of skill challenges, put out fires and stuff like that. Or you do some fighting if you're good at fighting. Um, so I think it was pretty well-rounded, honestly. Oh, good. Um, coming down to the, the second part, too, has, a, has that, but also but in a way that is do some skill challenges and then have not quite exactly a fight, but kind of a fight. You know, there's some, there's, there'll be some fighting stuff happening, right? And then go back and do some, kind of like alternating back and forth between the two so that your skill challenge characters can shine a little bit and then your fighting challenges can shine a little bit and then switch passing the torch back and forth basically so now something i don't know how well this read but lieutenant falcon is doing his best sergeant slaughter impersonation oh. <laughs> and so it's like it's talking about how he's just got this like really amused with himself grin and stuff 
this is a scene with a lot of subtext that I never really explain what's going on. But to me, that's what's going on that he went through the slaughterhouse. Now he gets to run them through the slaughterhouse and he's just kind of likes playing the part. Fun. Fun. Yeah. So the renegade rigor, we've got them going over the map. This is one of the things that, um, I, I alternated between working the map and working the, like the writing out of it. So, that's why it's got so many of these walls that Jeffster scale over because I needed some right, excuse yeah. to uh, not know what's coming next, even though you're only like 10, 20 feet away from the next section of it. Yeah. So yeah, a, a little of my concern was how many times you had to do the up and over acrobatics check, which they're just difficulty five, but because you're doing it over and over again, over the again. chance that yeah. you fail starts going up. Yeah. Yeah. There was, a, there was some, concern about that too yeah. in, in the development of that was just sort of there's a lot of it but so you know i think it i think it's i think and uh, for some reason the fact there's another this is another map issue right there i think some of the flip tiles end up sort of zooming in a little bit at least on on the parts that where there might be fights okay um because i don't think the whole thing fits on an eight by eight which would be insane yeah i didn't um, even expect this to get flip tiles just because even the the fightier parts of it are a little more abstracted i figured this is yeah, yeah, run this theater on the mind i yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, hold it, it needed to be filled, I think. Um, what what was more tricky is that presenting that whole map as a map in the book, because it was, it ends up kind of serpentining. Yeah. Um, which is like, <laughs> here are walls you can't climb, and here are walls you're supposed to oh, climb, basically. Right? Yeah. Like, like, why don't you just go from part, the beginning, and just go left instead of north, you know, west instead of north? It was always like, eh, well, eh, well it's there. Those have to, like, walls are covered draw. in death. Yeah, exactly. Can't touch them. It's just sort of, you're supposed to just go wish around. You know, and I think most obstacle courses are, you know, a straight line or mostly a straight line, you mm-hmm. know, from, from beginning to end. They don't necessarily switch back. But, um, uh, uh, we wanted to put put on have everything on the map and not have to draw a giant long map, basically. Right. Right. Well, so uh, there was some some going back and forth with the with the artist a little bit. Like, oh, this is a wall you can't climb, so make that a little different than the wall you can't walls you can. This is high. This up here is higher because you're doing a zip line down, and yeah. Uh, so I did send a sketch of what this would look like, and so that serpentine element was always part of it, just because I knew we couldn't do. Yeah, one yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I did. I didn't want to. I didn't want. To, I thought about. I say that I thought about okay. taking it out of the serpentine. Like, but then that would be one long thing, and I wouldn't know if we could actually fit that, or if that's just becomes a weird. Yeah, it would have been so minor use. details to run in our long. Side yeah, of the page. yeah, yeah. I really like how the map turned out. Like the fire is really fire, and then the water is clearly oh, yeah. water, and you can see the barbed wire. And then yeah, the yeah, ring yeah. The I map, mean, it looks like, good. It looks, yeah, yeah, yeah. The textures on the map look great. Uh, it's just a matter of just sort of like. If you're using it as a map and like putting things on the map, you just have to make sure your mm. players know that you can't just go wherever you want. Right. You have to just you have to go straight and turn to great straight and turn. Uh, yeah. Um, not much more to say about that. I think it's. Uh, I forget what the reward yeah, was for doing this. Oh, you've got the the Marauder faction, which that was right, another yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, I knew I needed the Marauder I'm faction sorry. in there. I knew I needed the influence that gave you access to it for when you're not playing this. But that meant that mm-hmm. I had to include parts in the adventure saying, like, a big part of this is that you are earning your right onto the the Marauders team. So it, what happens if they take that new option because they're super excited to be on the Marauders team? Yeah, yeah. And then we've got Infiltrate Cobra Island. Um, oh, yeah, I've got this, the fun uh, mission progress chart. Just, I... Mm-hmm. 
I, I again, I like when you are doing something efficiently or really skillfully, you should get rewarded with it. And so I like sure. a good chart like this. It's very similar to what came up in uh, Cold Iron in my section. Uh, so instead of just being like to get through this part, you need this many successes and it could just eventually be bogged down with skill rolling. I want every failure and every success to feel like there are contextual changes to how the adventure plays out because of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this one had a little, not quite a sandboxy element, but it had a little bit of like, how do you want to do it? You know, you're going to Koi Island, you know, what do you want to go in here and how do you want to do it? What, what order you want to kind of do some of the, some of the things you've got to do to, to make sure that, uh, uh, that sergeant slaughter can can come in at the end basically right um you're taking you're taking out the comm satellites and and yeah exactly. cutting out the cutting out the comm lines and and maybe taking out a couple you know roving guards and stuff like that to sort of clear clear the way for sergeant slaughter and the one of the parts that i went back and forth on was the mission timeline and just the logistics of like how long are they in this tournament area this arena sport fighting for their lives versus oh, you executing right. yeah, yeah. a whole plan of crossing the island like i had to shrink how long it would take you for to get from point a to point b just so that they're not in there for six hours or some like absurd <laughs> yeah. amount of time yeah uh, sergeant slaughter could do it sure but he's not alone i mean could footloose do it well you know it all depends on whether or not footloose is a pre-gen or not yeah <laughs> Right, maybe he's alone. I don't know. Uh, but he's, you know, he then he's got to protect everyone. It's probably a very exciting scene that's happening in that arena floor when you're all out there sneaking around being stealthy. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you look at the map of this area, there's a really interesting looking building all the way on the right. Uh, let me just get to the map because it's all the way at the end of the adventure. So yeah, there's like this really interesting building on the right, and then there's like this. Uh, um, armored bridge that then gets them to mm -hmm. another area and so i designed all these buildings i made out this whole map and then i after i was started writing it like you infiltrate here you move through the grass you go through one of these calm things and then i was like i was out of room i was out of words oh, and so these buildings yeah. are interesting on the map that i turned over and i had ideas for alternative ways that you can get in and you go out uh, in this direction uh, now i'm just going to leave it up to gms that if the players come up with sure. a way to infiltrate over here I know yeah, that yeah. that's where Sergeant Slaughter got dropped off. This is where Overkill had, uh, sorry, Overlord. Overkill and Overlord are two corporate characters came out around the same time. <laughs> one of them oh, is no. the leader of the bats. One of them is just this like, you know, triumphant right, leader yeah. of Cobra that never really existed. And I mix them, their names up sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, like in my head, there's this whole narrative of how they got from here through there into the arena. Uh, all while you were doing the stuff over here. And it still made it onto the map, but it did not make it into the adventure. Sure. That's that's fine. That's word counts for you. you just, yeah, that's word counts. You just got to condense it down to a sentence mm -hmm. or two if you want to even have any hint of it. So then, um, I guess, last couple of things to talk about. You've got the Monstrous Showdown. Boy, mm -hmm. I know I do a lot of moving parts in my... Uh, combats, especially my final combats, I was worried I was really pushing it this time, but it felt like if I didn't include the tanks that we introduced in the first book, if I didn't include yeah. all of the NPCs, uh, that this just would not feel right. So I tried to like stagger it by saying like it, it's like a combat in four acts, and mm -hmm. you slowly are introducing these new elements. Uh, the rap. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. I, I hope it's not overwhelming for GMs because I know it definitely has the potential to be. 
but it's a big finale set piece. Right. I think those have get a little more leeway in terms of moving parts. I hope so. So, and then uh, we've got the appendix, which has threats and NPC stat blocks. Uh, Coil mm-hmm. troopers uh, are like Overlord. I wouldn't call as obscure as Coil troopers. So. Overlord was that blank slate character that never got used. And then mm-hmm. uh, at one point, one of the, the G.I. Joe Collectors Club was like this official fan club that once a year would get the right to um, produce their own G.I. Joe figures or work with Hasbro to produce mm-hmm. G.I. Joe figures. And so they often picked a character like Overlord who didn't get a lot of love and gave them a lot of chance to to flesh out. So they recast Overlord as like Serpentor's lieutenant and then the Coil Troopers were his uh, his private mm-hmm. troopers, his elite troopers. So the Coil right, Troopers right. fit the connection to Overlord, even though they don't have anything to do with Sergeant Slaughter. Um, just the fact that they, right. just by virtue of several disconnected things all lining up, they ended up with stat blocks in here before, like Copperhead or some of the more well-known characters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but kind of like vehicles, Troopers are tough to differentiate from each other. And yet Cobra has so many, which necessitates yeah. a lot of them showing up. So um, that's how they end up with things like blood for the emperor. And it's implying that they might have Serpenter's blood in them and giving them a whole bunch of different abilities. A hang up is a good way to differentiate one trooper from another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. So yeah, again, these, the tiniest footnote in all of G.I. Joe lore, get these super interesting stat blocks just to justify <laughs> their existence. I think, I mean, when you have a licensed product like this, that kind of what happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if, some, if sooner rather than later, sometimes, but like you're going to get to these buckets where you have to, you know, reach in the bottom of them and, and, and pull out this thing. Oh, well, let's make this guy something. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it's it's nice that we're not doing all the main stuff and then right, yeah. are settling for this. Like they make sense here. So even though yeah, they yeah, are yeah. jumping the queue as far as their priority within just the grand scheme of G.I. Joe as a license, they shouldn't, people shouldn't be questioning how they made the cut here. No, no, no. Overlord was super fun to stat up. So was his dictator. So the dictator is one of those things that it's like, it's clearly a toy. It's got a gimmick. It's a tank or (laughs) an armored motorcycle thing that separates and stacks up. And why you would do half of these features, you don't know. But because the toy could do (laughs) them, I had to do them with the stat block. Yeah. Uh, Rattler is just reprinted from Core Rulebook, although nice new piece of art. Actually, I like, so in the Core Rulebook, the vehicles got blueprint art. Whereas this one, it really mm-hmm. looks like a picture of the toy. Like it's it's a different yeah, approach to presenting them. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah. And then finally, the main event, the Slaughter Monster, which, <laughs> like again, we're talking a fairly obscure character, but as far as characters that are associated with Sergeant Slaughter, this is it. This is yeah. yeah if yeah, Serpentor yeah. had Sergeant Slaughter's DNA, and also something that just made the whole experiment go wrong, and so yeah. this, you know, never had a toy. Still has never had a toy. Even as like years go by and they do like homages to concepts that never got an action figure before slaughter monster has never been given like a revisit and uh, it was what... finally it's time to shine. Yeah. I wonder what it would look like as a toy. Cause it was kind of difficult getting the art right, right for it. Cause like in the cartoon, it's just kind of like a meat blob. Yeah. So right? I've and seen so, customs yeah. of it using fantastic force, the thing as the base. Oh, okay. And so yeah, that gives probably. them the bulk of it. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was, I would say, I was a little tempted nope. to make sure to, to do something with the art and give him also 
Sergeant Slaughter's mustache, but <laughs> it wasn't really canon. But I thought that would be fun. Oh, but I, man. Yeah, I decided against it. You made the right call, but I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I know I made the right call, but there's a part of me that wants to, you know, you know, if you're saying he's got his DNA, he would have his mustache, right? Of course, I, I, you know, that's how DNA works. Before I like went into did the research and sort of you know looking at uh, Rise Serpent Horizon and thinking about oh this is Sergeant Slaughter this is like the Red Hulk version of Sergeant Slaughter that's what my brain was when I first yeah. heard about it and and I didn't know he's going to be so just like although just more goopy than that okay <laughs> just picture him to be Sergeant Slaughter but a little bigger a red right so that's why I was like oh maybe just give him this mustache but yeah but he's 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 a he's 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 a this the Slaughter monster is more of a mistake than it is yes. sort of a a broken clone, like you know, like a clone that's just a little bit off. It's more of just a a mess. Yeah, and it's a weird thing to use because it's one of the few characters that definitively dies in the cartoon, and mm-hmm. not even in a cool way. It's chasing slaughter. They're fighting, and then at one point it just melts because it's just that unstable. Oh yeah, uh, which is where the unstable hangup came in. So yeah, so I had to kind of justify that, right. like, well, sure, that one didn't work, but they'd still have Sergeant Slaughter's DNA on file. Sure. Maybe it got uh, lost in the logistics, like the the Cobra's file keepers filed it away. Nobody realized what Mm -hmm. precious thing they had until Overlord found it. And now he's recreated the Sergeant Slaughter Monster, which had no official name, but the Slaughter Monster works for me. Yeah, it works great. This is really Slaughter Monster 2, though, right then? Yeah. In the adventure, but yeah. And it's also like, I don't get to do monster sat blocks too often in G.I. Joe, so this was a fun departure (laughs) from what we usually get to do. Yeah. Let me get the renegades and the pregens, and I think that's yep, and that's it. Man, this was yeah. a fun project to work on. Like, I am a big Sergeant Slaughter fan. Uh, you've seen. I've got a picture of me as a four or five year old dressed yeah. as Sergeant Slaughter <laughs> for Halloween. So yes, 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 yes. Yeah, getting to do this was a real treat, and um, I do think I was the right guy for the job. Like, I oh, definitely. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, and this, I'm super proud of this. I cannot wait to get my hands on a, a physical copy of it. And uh, thank you, yeah. Jason, for like, this is what I envisioned it. Like, you took what I wrote, you developed it, you yeah. preserved my my voice and my vision, and just made it all better. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Oh, uh, I've got a couple of questions from Juggernaut from the Renegade Discord. Uh, we probably covered most of these, but let me just go over what he said. Yeah, Did yeah. you come up with the ideas for the... He says foci. I know focus option didn't make the cut, and it's mostly just focuses now. But anyway, so uh, for the foci earlier with Sergeant Slaughter in mind. So no, none of these were created um, beforehand. These weren't things like I would have put in a book if this book didn't right, come right, up. Yeah. This was like, I need to come up with Sergeant Slaughter-based options. That's where I got all of these. Uh, did mm-hmm. you have ideas and thoughts for the Sergeant Slaughter book or did you generate the so sorry this is three questions all to ask the same question of what came first the idea or the assignment so the assignment came right. first I needed to make Sergeant Slaughter things same question but for the adventure uh, yeah again I, I knew I needed a Sergeant Slaughter adventure so I started racking my brains about characters that had any kind of association with Sergeant Slaughter that I can use that's where those mm-hmm. Overlord commercials came in the Slaughter Monster right. and then Coil by extension uh, and how did you decide what to include in the accessory pack I didn't. <laughs> Somebody else did. <laughs> Someone else did. Good. Always a good answer. Yeah. And uh, why Let go me, with I, rule I, supplement and an adventure? That one, actually, I don't remember if I was just told we want X number of words. And I was like, well, what if half of those words are an adventure? Or if I was told make options and an adventure. So, uh, uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I think the adventure would be, if you're including standees and maps, you should 
have something to do with those things, yeah, right? You're probably right. That but, they must have yeah. asked me to do an adventure. All right, well, right. and to get two books, it, 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 it makes it cut into two books that that mm -hmm. are nice. That you can have one that's just like here, players. You can throw it to players, and then one that a GM can hold on to. Yeah. So yeah, I, I hope Juggernaut wasn't hoping for more insightful answers there. But most of what he covered, <laughs> listen to the rest of the episode. Exactly. Juggernaut. I'm sure you got what you wanted. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for episode 18 of Upshift. If you want to find out, uh, find more episodes of Upshift and more great podcasts, go to NoDirectionPodcast.com. We want to thank our patrons. You can find out more at patreon.com slash no direction. Any of your support helps make podcasts like this possible. And thank you to Word Burglar for the use of Letters from Snake Eyes, part four. Part. You can find out more at wordburglar.com. Uh, until next time, I'm Ryan Costello. And I'm Jason Keeley. The price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Lonzo would assure me that this was my new purpose with the team of green shirt. Highly trained specialists kept it to myself. Told the others, don't question it, trust me. Some things are better left unsaid, except my demons that were screaming like the undead. I let them in every day. My main meditation was taking them down. My pain medication, Shanna sighed. And she knew she couldn't call me, at least until I found out what happened to Tommy. That mission was private. For now, the objective was stopping the threat of this venomous collective. Spreading across the globe, I was ready to lock and load. With flash, grand slam, clutch, zap, and rock and roll. Hawk, steal a grump, breaker, and short fuse. And before I knew, I gained a whole lot more to lose.